Well, grab your seats. Welcome, welcome, welcome to New Life Friday Night. My name is Daniel Grothy. I realize I didn't introduce myself. If you're new, we're thrilled to have you. Come see us at Guest Central after the service. We'll give you a gift in the back. Uh, so if that's you, come swing by and say hello. Quick update. Jordan alluded to it about our offering last week. If you weren't here, at the end of the service, I did something that I've I've never done at a Friday night service, but I knew we needed to do it. I've been very aware of several members of our congregation who have just been on the ropes. Life has been brutal, and despair is trying to set in, and Jesus wanted to rebuke that despair last week. And it takes money sometimes to do that, right? People who, who are in need, Jesus rebuked it. And so we had this offering at the end during communion where I just said, this isn't like tithes, just like cash. If you have cash and you want to come down, it'll go directly to these people, all every penny. And you, you came down, it just was overwhelming. You all came down during communion and you gave $10,000 in cash. $10,000 dollars in cash. If there is a congregation that you want to bump into in a dark alley, it's you. Like if you're going to if you're going to rob a congregation in a dark alley, you stay home Friday night. Keep your purse on your hip, you know, like good lord and what you did, like I I could take you story by story of what you did this last week. And, and there were tears, and I got to look these people in the face and stunned and caught off guard. And I, what? Are you serious? And, and so just thank you. From the bottom of my heart, as a pastor, I carry these stories. I know these people, and, and, I, and I know about a lot of them. And so when, when I tell you about that, and you trust me, and you trust God, and you, and you give generously. Another story, a, a single mom's car broke down on the way to church last Friday night just right down the road. And she was obviously heartbroken, two beautiful little kids, and just caught her off guard. And a Friday night family after the service heard about that, and they said, we have an extra car, come over tomorrow, and we'll just give you our car until yours is fixed. Uh, friends, who in the world? But the body of Christ, being the body of Christ, it changes the world. And thank you for being this kind of congregation. I bless you. And as, uh, as Nehemiah 5.19, Nehemiah said, Lord, remember me, O God, with favor of what I've done for your people. And the Lord will remember you with favor. Thank you for your generosity. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. We're in week 5 of our series going through this beautiful memoir that Nehemiah wrote. And he's telling the story of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down, the gates had been burned with fire, there was desolation. So what I want to do is read the first nine verses of Nehemiah chapter six, and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord. When word came to the bad guys, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. But there's a little aside here. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Oh, come on, Nehemiah. Just, bro, you've been working hard. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming 
to harm me. They were actually gonna kidnap Nehemiah, destroy him, kill him, throw him in a ditch. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you chumps? Four times they sent me the same message, four times. Come, come on, hey, come on away. They sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time they keep coming. Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. Flag that phrase in your mind, an unsealed letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, who sent you here and paid your way here and gave you the lumber. He's gonna find out that you're throwing a coup here. This is a revolt. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. <laughs> they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Lord, help us tonight. Sometimes we just need to say help. We need help. We are not God. We are not in control. We are not wise enough. We are not strong enough. We are not righteous enough. We, aren't, we just can't do it unless you help us. So we ask you to help us. I pray, Lord, that this place would be cocooned in your grace. That we would be wrapped in your arms tonight. I pray that this would be a no-fly zone for the enemy tonight. Silence the foe and the avenger. Run the devil out. Peace in this place, joy in this place, life in this place, life transformation in this place we pray tonight by the power of the word of God. Not our will, but your will be done. Not our kingdom, but your kingdom come. And so we pray, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever been so close to finishing a big project that you can almost taste it? Some of you are builders and you know what it is to get out of a house. You know, you're building from scratch and you've got the, the punch list at the end and they're putting little blue stickers of tape on the wall. Like, just do a little touch up here, a little touch up there. We're good, we're good. And then you deliver them the house and you take the check and you run to the bank and you say, praise the Lord. You know, like so close to finishing a job. Teachers will be like this in May, you know. <laughs> praise the Lord and, you know, thank, bring on all the Starbucks gift cards and get your kids the heck out of here. Did my thing, baby. Give me 10 weeks of salvation, you know? And you, have you ever been so close? It's just, it's time to finish the project. Nehemiah, this is where he is in chapter six. He's just about to hang the gates. The final act of shutting out the enemy. 
The walls have been rebuilt. There's not a gap left in them, we hear in the text. And Nehemiah is getting ready to hang the gates, just secure the thing, wrap it up, sweep the, sweep the work site. It's done. And all these people have rallied and all these different clans and all these different tribes and all these different personalities and all these different people who are chipping at each other and getting a little, you know, angsty at the end. And he's done, like, he's right there. And that scared the enemy. The 11th hour, the 45th minute, the project is almost done. And Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and the rest of the enemy crew got angry and scared. And when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, that our enemies, we'd rebuilt the wall and there was not a gap, though the gates were not yet up. They started talking. Come, let's, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Stop, 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 stop. You don't need to do all that. Your guys can finish the project. You just need to take a week, just take a weekend off. Like four times they sent messengers to him trying to lure him away. In the 11th hour and 45th minute, it's been 52 days. He's gathered an entire group of people. He's left Persia, modern day Iran, and he's traveled a thousand miles to Jerusalem, a city that he's never been to, that his ancestors are buried in. And he's right on the door of finishing the project. He's knocking on the door. Gates are about to be hung. And they say, come, let us meet together. Come on, Tobiah the Ammonite, he was a Jordanian from the other side of the Jordan River, the eastern side of the Jordan River. These were their arch enemies in many ways. They have long history, bad blood. And Tobiah the Ammonite is coming over and he's especially the one stirring up. Why? Tobiah was making really good money off of Jerusalem's destruction. And do you know that there are industries that make really good money off of you doing poorly? I won't get into naming the industries. Like, we can use our imagination. But the worse you are doing, the deeper their pockets. When your life is withering away, they're on trips flying out to the islands and they're taking it all the way to the bank. The, the, the more you suffer, the more you lose, the more they win. And this is what's happening with Tobiah the Ammonite. As long as Jerusalem was in shambles, this guy was living it up. And here we are in the 11th hour and the 45th minute, the wall is fixed, but the gates are getting ready to be hung, which would finally shut out the enemy. And Tobiah goes into double time to try to distract and to lure away. And he's, he, he's asking them, hey, come on, come on out to the plain of Ono. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah. So people in Judah, in the people of God, they were sending letters to Tobiah the Ammonite, their arch enemy, and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. So Tobiah's got relationships, he's working deals. And it said, for many in Judah were under oath to him. Maybe I can describe it this way. Jerusalem was Tobiah's biggest account. Jerusalem was his cash cow. Before the five crime families of New York City, Tobiah was Jerusalem's crime boss. He controlled the trade routes, he's racketeering, he's money laundering, he's loan sharking, he's got corrupt politicians in his hip pocket, and, and he's got federal money that he's got access to, and he's selling contracts to his friend. This is Tobiah Gambino, eh? You know what I'm talking about, eh? Hey. I kill people for less than that, huh? Tobiah, the Ammonite, send a, a horse head and it's on your bed, you know? Forget about it, you know? <laughs> Tobiah. 
He's working deals and he, his life is going to dry up if Jerusalem becomes whole. Nehemiah is hanging the gates and he says, let's meet together. It's not necessary, bro, I promise. We're cool, don't waste the energy. There's no problem here. We'll hire a private security firm to protect the city. I got you. And in fact, come over to the plain of Ono, a village. It's 32 miles away. It would be like, let's just say it's like uh, Nehemiah going on a day's journey down to the, walking to the Broadmoor for a free week. A free week paid for by Tobiah the Gambino, the Ammonite at the Broadmoor. All expenses paid, you've got a tab, just do your thing. You've been working really hard, Nehemiah. Your hands are callous and you left the Persian palace to do this work and you know what it is to live the high life back home in Persia and King Artaxerxes, uh, you're, you're, you're tucked away in his palace and you've got everything you need and you've been sweating it out for 52 days in Jerusalem and these people aren't even your people. You've never been here. Come away to the plain of Ono and let's talk. Because you know what? If you don't close up Jerusalem, I'll give you some great splits on my contracts. I got people, I got deals in place. I I know everybody, I control this city. And Nehemiah, I'll take care of you. You left your pension back home in Persia and I'll give you splits. And just, you don't need to close that thing up. The walls are fine, but I'll hire a private security firm. Do you see the allure? Tobiah is scared to lose his money. And so he's trying to buy Nehemiah, trying to lure him away. Don't hang those doors. Let your boys finish the work. I'll just say there are certain times that if you're going to finish rebuilding what the enemy has destroyed, you simply cannot get distracted. You just can't get distracted. Chapter six is about distraction. He's right there. He's ready to cross the finish line. He's done all the work. Blood, sweat, and tears. He's gathered the nation. They've rallied. They've risen to the task. It's time to finish the work. But right here in the 11th hour and 45th minute, the enemy is trying to distract him from finishing the job. There are times where you cannot get distracted if you're gonna finish the work, if you're gonna rebuild, if you're gonna get back what God promised to you and to your ancestors. You cannot be lured away by cheap seductions. You cannot go to the plain of Ono. You have to stay at the wall. You have to stay with your people. You have to see the thing through. Leaders are the last to leave. (laughs) They're the first to bleed, we said last week. Leaders are the first to bleed, but they're also the last to leave the job site. Nehemiah was learning at this moment that Tobiah and the devil through him was trying to distract him away and you just can't get distracted. We live in an age of distraction. Jesus, have mercy on us. There's distraction everywhere. I think it's probably the, maybe the besetting sin of our age. Distractions everywhere. There's now digital anthropologists. I've, I've just recently learned this. Anthropologists study people groups. But if you're gonna be an anthropologist today, you've got to understand the impact of, of technology on us. Digital anthropologists studying humans' relationships with technology. And a study came out of UC Irvine It said every time you check your phone at work, it takes 23 minutes on average to regain your focus. Imagine being a business owner hearing that going, shoot. How much money is the government wasting every year paying people who are checking Facebook at their cubicle, you know, just. They're actually saying that the average worker's on their phone two hours a day, not working, just checking things. 
And then when you do dip into it, it says it takes about 23 minutes on average to get back into a flow of work. Distracted age. Result, we're spending more hours working with a net decreased productivity. More hours because we, we're not getting our stuff done because we're, we're distracted. And so we're spending more hours and we're doing less than we've ever done. And we wonder why we're just tired perpetually. We've got compulsive behaviors and app makers understand this. They adhere to this approach. And, and all the app designers today, there's like, a bunch of research on this and people who have broken free from some of these big companies have told what they've been talking about in, in the meetings and it's, it's called a persuasive design. These apps are designed persuasively to lure you in. They understand the dopamine hit. They understand. So they're just finding ways to get you sucked into the world and frankly, it's working. Distraction is maybe the besetting sin of our age and We are Pavlov's dogs. We hear the ding. We feel the buzz. We and we start salivating. We start, you know, checking. We can't. We can't. We gotta know who sent that and who sent that email and what was that announcement and what's going on in the world. And we are living that sort of Pavlovian response. And dating back to Nehemiah, distraction is one of the greatest ploys of the enemy. And what I'll just say is you can't stop the momentum you've got going in one of these big seasons. And I see it all the time with people. And I've been there. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just saying, welcome to being human in this distracted age. But I see it all the time. Counseling's been going great for people's marriage, but then they take the summer off. It's, uh, we're busy, we're doing this, we're doing that. And exercise has been crucial in your health being restored, but winter gets cold and so we stop going and we close out the debt, but now we want to reward ourselves with an impulse buy and then we find ourselves six months later back in the same hole that we were in. Like when you've got momentum going, when you're in the 11th hour and the 45th minute and you can hang the gates and you can close up the city from the enemy, you can't get distracted in that moment. You've got to stay focused. There are certain seasons when you have to keep at it and sprint through the finish line. And four times they sent a message to Nehemiah, come away, come away, come away, come away. We've got the Broadmoor for you and it's on us. Bro, you need to take care of yourself, Nehemiah. We're concerned about you. And Nehemiah says, I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. I can't do it. I, I know what the stakes are. I understand how the enemy works. I understand how I work, that if I walk away from this, I will lose everything that I've built to this moment and I'll lose the morale of the people who have put their lives on the line for 52 days and their crops have, have gone to pot back at home. They've spent too much for me to walk away right now. I can't walk away. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. And so what they do is they shift from a nice little wine and dine them, take them to the Broadmoor, offer, and they start threatening him. We're going to kill you. We're going to destroy you. You punk, you come into a territory that you've never been to. You haven't even been here two full months and you think you're some big dog and you think you're going to take this place over and you're gathering prophets and they're, they're threatening him. They're scaring him. They're, they're, they're ramping it up. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter, unsealed letter. A sealed letter would be from the king and it wouldn't be opened until it gets to the person who's supposed to read it and only that person theoretically is supposed to see it and close it back up. But an unsealed letter means they've got the royal entourage coming through the town and they're going, you wanna know what the king says? 
And so they're telling all the community about Nehemiah. Nehemiah's a punk. And Nehemiah's trying to throw a political coup. And if he throws a political coup, you know what's gonna happen with Artaxerxes. He's gonna bow up and say, how big an old boy are you? And he's gonna come storming down here a thousand miles away. And he's gonna crush you. The, the city that you just rebuilt is gonna be in shambles in two months if you don't get your boy Nehemiah under control. They're threatening him, trying to get his own people to turn against him. It was written in this letter, it's reported among the nations that you're plotting to revolt and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become the king. Now this report will get back to the king, so come and let us meet together. You need us, threatening him. It's a political, legal threat. We'll take you to court. We'll wage a war. It's an unsealed letter. We've told all your people that you're an idiot. The stakes are getting higher. And I'll just ask, like, have you ever been served official legal paperwork? Whew. Come to court on this date to make an appearance before the judge. And someone else's Uh, life is going to decide. Someone else's read on the situation is gonna decide your future. And 12 of your peers are gonna sit in that box and it's gonna cost you all this money. Have you ever been served papers? Have you ever ever had a summons? Have you ever been sued? Have you ever been audited? And you felt like I'm just this little person and I'm up against this big system. Welcome to Nehemiah's life. The threats were stacking up on him. They were trying to scare him back to Persia. Quit. Last week we talked about Nehemiah signing up for self-sacrifice and if you wanna lead first, you've gotta bleed first but, but you gotta see that when pressure builds, the temptation is often to give in to self-preservation. When pressure builds like it was stacking up on him, he's, he's, all of a sudden he's thinking about the plain of Ono. All of a sudden he's going, you know, the Broadmoor does sound really great right now and you know, all these other guys, this is their homeland. I, I'm from Persia, you know? We'll just let them handle it. We'll, uh, we'll stand them up on their own two feet and the enemy's trying to scare him into self-preservation. We see this in verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, And Shemaiah said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple because they can't come in there. And let us close the temple doors because men are going to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Hey man, you got privilege. You could go into the house of God and they won't find you in there and they're just kind of, a truce, we'll leave you alone because we can't go into the Holy of Holies and let's just tuck you away, man. Life could be so much simpler if you just preserved your own life. And he says, can a man like me run? Would I go away? I wouldn't be worth my salt. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. If it kills me, it kills me. You read the story of Abraham Lincoln. Our nation is in turmoil. Our nation is fractured. Our nation is at this moment where it's, it's, just, it's going to explode. We cannot keep going like this. And Abraham Lincoln understands we've got to make this thing right. We've got to get these people free. To, we've got to turn them loose. They are made in the image of God. Let my people go. And a white brother leading our nation finally saw that for the first time. And in 1865, April 15th, he's in the theater and and he said, you know what, I I could self-preserve and I could take care of my, I could make sure that I could run from this moment and I would be protected. But April 15th, 1865, he was willing to do the work even if it killed him. Will I run away from this moment? 
God has brought me to this moment for such a time as this. I must do what is right in the sight of God. Let his people go. Martin Luther King Jr., you read his, his papers, you read his letters from Birmingham jail, you, read, you, you listen to his sermons and, and you, the screws were being tightened. His home was bombed on Christmas day with his four little beautiful children in there minding their own business and these people are coming in. Just stop and we'll let you live. But if you keep going, you will die. And he says, if you gotta kill me, you gotta kill me. I've been to the mountaintop and I may not cross over, but I've seen what God is gonna do in this nation and it will get done even if I'm dead. I will not back down. Nehemiah does it, Abe Lincoln does it, MLK Jr. does it, and they got it. They got it from the spirit of this guy called Jesus. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating drops of blood and he's on his knees travailing and shaking and he's collapsing on the inside. The enemy's trying to destroy him and run out to the plain of, oh no, Jesus, (laughs) run out. You've you've done enough work. You don't have to do this and you can take care of yourself and you can give over to self-preservation. And Jesus said in that moment, what should I say, Father, save me from this hour? I was born to die. I was born to lay my life down. You don't take my life, I give it. (laughs) Jesus doesn't run in that moment. Self-preservation in the moment when you can rebuild the wall, in the moment where you can get the nation back, in the moment where you can bring healing to people, you have to understand that the enemy will try to scare you and threaten you and run you away from this most important work, but it's in that moment where we ask for the spirit of Jesus to embolden us. It was for this hour that I came. Father, glorify your name. We cannot run away at crunch time. We can't quit when it gets difficult. And so I wanna ask, what did Nehemiah do when he was tempted with distraction? The first thing I'll say is Nehemiah talked back to the enemy. It's interesting here. He he talks back to the enemy. He says, "I, I sent him this reply. They're saying, oh yeah, you're building a coup. You got your prophets and the king's gonna come down and destroy you. And they're trying to scare him. And he goes, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening and you're stupid. You're just making this up out of your head. You're not even creative with your lies. That was a cheap, you just cut a corner there. You could have at least written a better script than that, but you're just making stuff up on the fly and you ain't got nothing against me. Nothing like what you're saying is true. Shut your mouth. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Shut up. You couldn't say shut up in my house growing up. Right, anyone else? We we don't let our kids say shut up, you know. One day we were riding in the van, me and my three sisters, and one of the girls started singing with this beautiful melody. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And my mom was driving and she goes, what are you doing? She said, well, you said we can't say it, but you didn't say we can't sing it. In this moment where Nehemiah, Nehemiah understand the pressure, the energy was coming at him. They were trying to crush him into the ground. They were trying to silence him. And sometimes to get your voice back, you have to get loud. 
Sometimes you have to push back with your energy. You have to meet it with soul force, as Martin Luther King Jr. would have called it. Now, I'm not, he said, we'll meet your physical force with soul force. Nehemiah, he didn't meet them with, with the physical force, but he did rise up with the soul force. And he, he stood up and he said, it's time. And you, you shut up, be quiet. I'm not listening to you anymore. You're trying to get me to be quiet. You're trying to break my spirit. And in the name of God, you be quiet. <laughs> you you, you got to kind of talk back to the enemy. And I think we've gotten pretty, pretty soft in our prayers. And I think this is where a strong prayer closet or a little space in your room or a little chair that you sit in in the morning is a really, is, is absolutely crucial habit where you sit down in that space and you open up the scriptures and you start to say things when the enemy says, shut up and you're so stupid and I'm going to kill you and you're going to die and your life is never going to thrive. And, and those, all the work you did to rebuild the wall, you're never going to get those gates closed and you're going to be, and you just start to say, well, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And God said he would never leave me and he would never forsake me. And, and I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and he will not let my foot slip. And he who watches over me will not slumber. And indeed, the Lord who watches over Israel and the growthies will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper and the Lord is the shade at my right hand. The sun will not harm me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep me from all harm and all the Tobias and all the Geshems and all the, uh, uh, the Lord will keep me from all harm and he'll watch over my life and he'll watch over my coming and going both now and forevermore. Shut up. Romans 16, 20, Paul is writing at the end of this most beautiful theological treatise and he says, and the, and the God, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Romans 16, 20, tattoo that on your soul. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And you take it into the prayer meeting, you take it into the prayer room, and, and, and you, you have to meet it with soul force because it comes hard. The enemy doesn't play. The, the enemy comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you have to bow up and you have to say, and look, I, I know where your story's going. <laughs> I know where my story's going. And it may look really difficult right now. And I may be just a little bit scared, but someday the God of peace will soon. He's coming quickly and he's gonna put you under my foot in Jesus' name. Friends, in those moments, if you don't talk back, if you don't take these words on your lips, if you don't let these words get down deep in your spirit and deep in your heart and well up out of your mouth, you will crumble in the 11th hour. Nehemiah, in this moment, he talks back, I am carrying on a great project and I'm not stopping. Second thing that we see what do you do when this moment comes? Nehemiah prayed for strength to finish the work. They were all trying to frighten us, Nehemiah says, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed, but I prayed. <laughs> now, Lord, strengthen my hands. All of the negativity, all of the anxiety, all of the news cycle, all of the inflation, 
All of looking over your shoulder wondering where the next bill's gonna get paid. All of just the loss of friendship and the, the uncertainty in the world and watching what's happening on a geopolitical level globally and nationally. All of this, it, it comes at us. And at some point, you just have to begin to say, Lord, strengthen my hands for this work. Lord, I call out on your name. Lord, I don't know how to do this. Lord, I don't have enough in me. But Lord, I'm asking, open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. I don't have a five-year plan. I would love to have one, but all I'm saying is, Lord, I need you to be my God today. I need you to take care of my people today, and I need you to strengthen my body today, and I need you to guard my mind today because the dark clouds of depression seem to be blowing in as fall comes and as winter descends. Lord, would you give me strength? Strengthen my hands, Lord. Help me not to quit. Help me not to crumble. Help me not to listen to the darkness that's spewing from the enemy, both in the spirit realm and in the natural realm with the people around me. God, save me today. Yes. Nehemiah talks back to the enemy, and then he prays to his father. He, he prays to the God who can bring salvation. He asks, strengthen my hands for this work. So what do we do to resist the temptation to quit? We live a life of prayer. Five times they said, come away from this work, and the enemy starts playing with us, and luring us into self-gratification and self-preservation, into that cheap weekend at the Broadmoor. But the enemy becomes ruthless, threatening, and the enemy becomes a terrorist, and we have to say, Lord, strengthen us. Keep us. Don't let us quit. Don't let us fall. Lord, would you give us strength to meet the needs of today? Nehemiah's prayer, now strengthen my hands. And today, as I was praying, is finishing up. You do the work, you study, you, you read the commentaries, you look at the text, you, you're looking for keywords. You're doing all the textual work, but at some point you, you sit before the Lord and you say, Lord, what is there like something that you're saying? What's the thing? And I felt like the Lord said that some of you are closer than you think and you can't back down. You think you're, you're at midday, you think it's noon, but it's the 11th hour and the 45th minute at night and it's about to become a new day. Like you're closer than you think and you can't back down, you can't stop and focus on the great work right in front of you. Some of you need to press back into the relationships. Some of you need to press back in to seeking the Lord. Some of you need to spend more time in an age that wants us to be distracted with our phones. Get the Bible out and sit with your children. Don't teach them to love Instagram. Teach them to love Jesus with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength. Teach them to love the scriptures. Teach them how to pray. Family, come into the living room. Let's all get on our knees together and we just call on the name of the Lord. This is what Nehemiah does. And so let's pray, Lord, strengthen our hands for school and strengthen our hands for our friendships and strengthen our hands for mental health battles. Lord, strengthen us and keep us today. Friends, we've got to press in, in this moment because we're closer than we think. I'm asking the band to come up. We're gonna do something here to respond. I sense, yes, that many of you are closer than you think, but I also can discern in my heart that many people are frightened and on the verge of quitting. So tonight what we're gonna do is we're gonna practice what we've just preached. We're gonna pray and we're gonna worship. So would you stand with me tonight as the band comes? We'll receive communion here in just a little bit, but we're gonna go a little bit out of our normal order, and that's on purpose. It's time for us to do a little bit of spiritual warfare tonight. If you've been around here, you know that I don't just waste that language. 
I'm not just throwing that around. We need to do some spiritual warfare tonight. Tonight's gonna be a breakthrough. Some of you are so overwhelmed with the enemy's anxiety that he wants you to carry. And tonight, in Jesus' name, there's gonna be a breaking open in the spirit. There's gonna be a freedom that's released in the spirit. There's gonna be a shift in the environment. I don't control this. All we get to do is ask. But I sense in my spirit that God is here to do this. And what more would the father want to do for his kids than be good to his kids? So would you close your eyes and would you invite the Holy Spirit to show you what you need tonight? Say, Lord, what do I need tonight? What, what are you wanting to say to me tonight? What are you wanting to do in me tonight? The enemy's saying, come away from the work. Walk away, back down, quit. Would you ask him for supernatural strength and endurance to remain? Would you ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Would you ask him to give you that grit back, that, that wild faith that just believes God's good enough to do it, God's good enough to heal, God's good enough to rescue, God's good enough to, to lift your business up out of the, the pit, and God's good enough to restore the relationships, God's good enough to bring your prodigal child home, God's good enough to take care of your aging parents, and the enemy says quit because it's falling apart, and in Jesus' name, you need to talk back tonight. Speak to that thing. Never will he leave me. <laughs> and never will he forsake me. I want you to see these two phrases that I've grabbed to put back up here from the text. The first thing that I want you to see is I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Some of you need to get that back in your bones tonight. You need to get that back in your soul tonight. You need to get that back in your psyche tonight. Like I'm, This is so important and I cannot come down. I can't stop. And then all of us, now, Lord, strengthen our hands. Would you open your hands tonight? We're gonna sing, this is how I fight my battles. <laughs> like we're gonna press in and I just want you to intercede tonight. Some of you wanna just shout. Some of you wanna kneel tonight. Some of you wanna invite the Lord to do a fresh work. Whatever it looks like, come on, church, let's begin to just fight this battle in the spirit and ask the Lord to strengthen our hands. Ask the Lord to embolden us. Come on. This is how we fight our battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Call on his name, church. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, clap with me. We sing it, we sing it, we sing it. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how. Come on. This is how I 
your communion elements if you don't raise your hand and our team will come to you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. Mm-hmm. It may look like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he said, I'll strengthen your hands for the work. <laughs> it was the 11th hour, 45th minute. Jesus didn't quit, Jesus didn't get distracted. Jesus didn't go out to the plain of Ono. Jesus didn't walk away. Jesus didn't sink into self-preservation. He said, I'll spend it all. And, and as you take the bread and the cup tonight, the spirit of Jesus is getting inside of you. <laughs> the spirit that doesn't quit. The spirit that's not afraid. The spirit that's willing. Even if it kills me, I'll do this work. Because if it kills me, he'll raise me back up. We'll be just fine. So friends, Jesus, on the night he's betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in your hands? And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Church, you may receive the bread tonight.
on the same night he took the cup of wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. It's given to wash away all the times when we did walk away, when we did quit, when we did sink into self-preservation. Jesus says, every time you do this, remember that I'm for you. Friends, you may receive the cup, the forgiveness of your sins. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight you open your hands tonight to receive the blessing of God and I pray now Lord strengthen their hands as they go from this place strengthen their hands Lord keep them on the wall keep them focused keep them as finishers of the great project in front of them Lord I pray for hope as they're working on it I pray for joy as they're working on it. I pray for strength as they're working on it I pray Lord for for excitement and and all the kinds of right relationships as they're working on it. Lord, take care of your people as they do this great work. And I pray, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you peace tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? couple things before you race out. If you're new, come see us at Guest Central in the back. The prayer team is coming down to the front right now. If you have someone, you need someone to just agree with you in prayer, maybe lay hands on your head, speak blessing over you. If that's you, don't leave here without letting us pray for you. We would love to do this. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. So much love.